0: Hey, Adam Smolcombe here, lead pastor of Vive Church. Welcome to our podcast. I pray that God will speak to you through the message today and that a greater level of faith would be unlocked in your life. God bless. Well, while you stay standing, grab your Bible out. Go with me to the book of Romans. I have an excellent passage of Scripture for this Christmas carol Sunday. I have a select choice of Meat, you could say. So, turn with me to Romans chapter 5. And once I've read this passage of scripture to you, I also want to read the first verse of the Christmas carol we just sang, Oh Holy Night. But firstly, Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, can you all still see me with those lights in your face? Can you? It feels like you just got blinded. Sorry about that. <laughs> all right, better on you than me. Okay. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2 Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare to even die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us Now let me go ahead and read to you the first verse of the Christmas carol that we just sung my favorite Christmas carol and we're singing that this week in particular impacted me it says oh holy night the stars are brightly shining it is the night of our dear Savior's birth long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and check this out and the soul felt its worth What a powerful line. You ever sung a song or read a scripture and wondered, has that that, that line been there the whole time? And I haven't seen it. And the soul felt its worth. It struck me this week as I was thinking about that line. Probably sung this Christmas carol millions of times. And yet it struck me and got me thinking, I wonder what a soul is worth. So I'd like to bring you a message today as we wrap up the year. And I'm entitling this message simply, Worth It. Worth It. Are you sure you're ready for the Word of God today? Yes. Looks like you're waiting for more. Well, good news, there is more for you. It's worth it. It's worth your time staying around. It's worth your time engaging in every effort today. So why don't you do something? Why don't you make somebody's time here worthwhile? Give them a big bear hug before you take your seat. Would you do that right now? Find somebody to hug, massage the shoulder a little bit, then go ahead and take your seat. Thank you, worship team. Wow, amazing. Amazing, amazing. You know, I thought we would, Start out with a little exercise today. Can I get my uh, little piece of art out here? Yeah, thank you very much. I thought we'd start out. Look at this piece of art. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. I thought I'd bring out this little piece of art. I don't know if we have a camera that can get a close up on this or something. We uh, because I know it's a long way away from here, but. Uh, If the camera can find me, okay, here's the camera. Uh, We need to make sure we get this art, and maybe we could display it up on the screen. This is a fine piece of art that, um, actually, you know what, let me set this up right, let me set this up right, because it is carols, all right, and you've got candlelight. Oh, I just broke it, okay. No, I didn't, it's all right, there we go. Oh, a table, that's a great idea. Hang on, bear with me, bear with me. Hang on. Okay, one works. This is tricky, guys. With the microphone, here we go. Got to give you the full experience of this piece of fine art. Look at that. Brought my own candle to Carol's by Candlelight. Can we see that? All right, let me hold it still. I thought we could do something today, a little exercise. I thought we could see if anybody could pick what this is worth. Pick what this is worth. Let me tell you what it is. It is a ceramic gargoyle tiki cup. And I'm wondering if anybody could pick what it's worth. I'm wondering if anybody would pay 100 bucks for this. I'm not going to make you pay it. I just want to know. If you value it correctly, anybody think there's worth a hundred bucks? Not anybody. One person. Two people. Two people. All right. Vox Gen like it. Vox Gen like it. Would anyone pay 300 bucks? Wrong direction. Oh, 50 bucks. Well, you really like gargoyle tiki cups, huh? Okay, 75 bucks? Wrong way, way. okay. (laughs) You bad salespeople, I'm telling you. 20 bucks. Still not many people. Anybody, would you not take it for free? Anybody who wouldn't even take it (laughs) if it was offered to you? You're like, I don't want that in my house. It's probably got like a demon attached to it. It's probably cursed. It's like you've (laughs) some voodoo thing. What if I was to illuminate that there's something inscribed on the bottom? That on the bottom it says, Disney, Club 33. Oh, now it changes things. See, some of y'all don't even know what Club 33 means. It's that exclusive. See, Club 33 is a very secretive and exclusive club at Disneyland. Now, I know many people in this audience love Disneyland. As grown adults, you go with season tickets, Spooner. I see you to Disneyland. Pre-kids, you went to Disneyland. And most people don't know, but there is a club at Disneyland that is called Club 33. It's so exclusive, it costs on average about 20000 a year to be a part of this club. And the beauty of this club, you would think that's outrageous. It ain't worth that until you've walked around Disneyland all day long and all you want is a stiff drink and an air conditioning and then you get that at Club 33. You don't even know where it is. It's a secret door that you knock on and you're greeted. And if you have a membership, you're allowed entrance. You're not allowed to take photos in there. You're not allowed to post photos on there because it's an exclusive club. And as a member of this club, you get exclusive opportunities to buy collectibles. Like so, collectibles that are exclusive to only people in the club. Now, I know at least this is worth $300 because that's what my friend paid for it. I didn't buy it. My friend bought it. He took us into this club. I didn't even know this club existed, but I'm in this club. And I thought, I want to be part of this club. I don't even like Disney, but I like this club. And then he said, would you like an exclusive gift? I said, yes. Who says no to that stuff? But then when they brought it out, I was like, hmm. Can you tell me how much you pay for it? 300 bucks. Now, what you might be surprised to know is currently this is going on eBay for 750. I'm just waiting for my right time. You know what I mean? It's like investments are down. It's. $750. You know what I spent much of 2022 thinking about is why people pay so much for NFTs. Anybody else with me? Anybody else still stuck in that paradigm? You know, I was looking like $98 million for a digital token, for a non-fungible token. There's an element of that that makes someone crazy if they're going to spend that much money. In my opinion if you're an investor in NFTs I'm sure you know something about the matrix that I do not know about. However I find myself asking is it worth it? Is it worth it? I heard a beautiful stat this morning about the World Cup game we just witnessed. The great victory for Argentina. All the Argentinians in the house. All the Messi fans in the house. That's, that's what. Okay. Let me reframe it that many Argentinians actually spent their life savings to go to the World Cup. And the question is, is it worth it? Is it worth it? You see, worth is something that we actually assess all the time, believe it or not. It's something that we ask, even if we're not conscious of it, we ask, "What's what's it worth? In fact, I'm going to go as far as suggesting that we actually negotiate this question more often than any other question in life. And actually, it's... It's less of a question, more of a constant assessment by by means of, of, of wanting to know what's something worth, almost like an automatic process by which we assess the value of something similar to a real estate appraisal. If you've ever bought a home or a house, you, you will know what this means, an, an appraisal. You know all about this, that, that in order to list your home, you have to go through what's called an appraisal so that you can kind of know what entry level in the market you should list your home by using this thing called comps or comparables. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Where's all my real estate agents at? Okay. So you're using comps, you're using comparables, you're using indicators in the market what other people have paid for properties in your area of similar size in a similar season so that you can know where do I slot my property in at the market. But ultimately you will not know what your home is worth until you find someone who's willing to pay something for it. That you could list it as something, but what it's worth is what something's willing to pay. You might look at a house and say, that ain't worth it. Well, if someone's willing to pay for it, it's worth it. Are you with me? Yes. This idea of worth, or at least a perceived value. <laughs> and this ain't just for a home or a realtor. As humans, we actually praise things all the time. We generally do it with the question, is it, is it worth it? Is it worth my time? Is it worth the effort? For instance, how often you turn up to work will determine how much your job is worth to you. I've got to say it, how often. And when you turn up to church, I'm talking to the intelligent people. That's why I can say it today. How often you turn up to church will determine how much you value the house of God. It's a worth indicator. Actually, maybe I could take this question maybe a little bit deeper today and, and, and ask the question, do you know your worth? Do you know your worth? Now, 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 be honest with me. How many people do love a good Christmas carol? Anybody love, love a Christmas carol? It's more women than men. I don't know why that is. My family love Christmas carols. Okay. They love Christmas carols so much from September we have Christmas carols. We've got Michael Bublé playing on repeat. We have got Mariah Carey playing still in our house. But to be honest with you, I'm, I'm more of a classic carols kind of person. Anybody like classic? Like It on the Mountain, you know, classic. Like old school classic Christmas carols, especially Oh Holy Night. This one is my all-time favorite carol. And, and all these years I've been singing it, That line never really pinged me like it did this week till he appeared and a soul felt its worth. Of course, in reference to the night Jesus was born, we find the very act of God being born human so that he could die for us to rescue us from death by sin revealed an incredible worth for our souls. Which to me produces an interesting question How do you appraise the worth of a soul? Well, in order to, to appraise uh, what a soul is worth, we actually need to probably better understand what a soul is. Would you agree? Yes. Ma- maybe we could take a moment to unpack and to locate our soul today. Wouldn't that be great? By the end of the year, before you begin a new season, a new year, a new era maybe, maybe you could pinpoint accurately your soul. Just to locate your soul. Because the Bible makes a clear definition between three aspects or elements of our humanity, which we see is made up of body, soul, and spirit. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Is it okay if I give you a bunch of Scripture today? Yeah. If you love the Bible, say amen. Yeah. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says, Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here we see the Apostle Paul articulate three distinct parts within each of us that not only have a unique function, but three aspects of our lives that we need to consider. Three distinct elements. Firstly, and the most obvious element is our body. We all know we have a body. You don't have to be a rocket scientist or even a deep theologian to understand that you got a body. And a body is a distinct part Of your humanity. You might want to write these notes down. It may seem simplistic now, but when we get into the deeper stuff, it's going to have revelation for you. You need to know you've got a body. This is the physical or the material makeup of who we are that operates within the realm of five senses taste, touch, sound, sight, and smell. It's the part of us that feels everything from temperature to weather. That's why we've got a sweater on today, especially this time of year. It's the part of us that feels time experiences pain. And while it unfortunately reveals things like age and stress, it also distinguishes us from each other through uniqueness. Now the Bible has a lot to say about our bodies, believe it or not, including the fact that in Ephesians, it talks about them as God's masterpiece. In Genesis, it says we're creating the image of God. First Corinthians illuminates that they are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, now you, your body can be shaped to a certain degree. And there are certain elements that are within your control. Some people like to shape their bodies. Some people have no interest at all. Let let it be as it be. Amen. uh, I'm just telling the truth. I'm not pointing at anybody here. But some people are meticulous about their body. Would you agree? How many people are married to one of those people that they, that they are meticulous about what goes into their body and they shape their body and they spend a lot of time on their body. Not necessarily are they vain about their body, but they see the importance of a body. Yes. That this body is connected to longevity. That this body is connected to endurance. That this body is the only body I got. Yes. Somebody help me, Amen. <laughs> That this body is important to some people. Some people don't care about the body. I remember growing up in, the, in, in like the 80s. Anybody grew up in the 80s? Anybody, anybody in the 80s? Okay, amen. Look at all these old folk in here. In the 80s, in ministry, there was this emphasis that de-emphasized the body. And so every minister was gigantic, so gigantic that they used the pulpit as a crutch and they would lean against the pulpit the whole time preaching. One time we had this big preacher in our pulpit, he snapped the pulpit in half and this was like a sturdy wooden pulpit because that was unspiritual. Who needs a body when your spirit is alive and strong? Well, the Bible kind of puts emphasis on the body, that the body, I'm doing a health talk, I'm not selling any supplements afterwards, but... The truth is, the Bible, imagine if I did. Hey, I've got my new supplement line. Yes. <laughs> However, here's some good news for those who may have not paid close attention to their bodies. That the Bible reveals that in heaven we get a glorified amen. body. And all the dissatisfied people said amen. Amen. We get a glorified body. We get a body like that of our risen Lord. I like to think about this body. Because in this body, Jesus ate. At the same time, he walked through walls. The same body that had holes in his hand that they could touch and feel ascended and floated to, to heaven. I'm kind of excited about that body, to be honest with you. After enduring in this body, there is a body we get to look forward to that's part of our blessed hope, the Bible says, that all things are renewed and redeemed and restored. The good news is that that's what we get to look forward to. Now, now, now the Bible also reveals that we don't just have a body, but the Word of God illuminates we have a soul and a spirit. Are you still taking notes today? It might be the end of the year, but there's still some good stuff to come at you. A soul. These are the non-material parts of who we are. You see, your soul is the place of your mind, your thoughts, your emotion, your psyche, your imagination and will. And like our body, our soul feels things just on a deeper level. Because while your body may feel physical pain, your soul feels emotional pain and heartbreak and betrayal and rejection. And just like your body gets sick, so does your soul. It gets sick with depression. It gets sick with anxiety. How's your soul care? Take a lot of care for your body, but are you caring for your soul? Someone give me an amen. Amen. This is what the Bible emphasizes the importance, it does not de-emphasize one aspect of your makeup as a human, but it articulates that each part of you is important to God. Your soul specifically. Your soul is a dynamic, distinguishing part of your personality. In fact, your personality is a picture of your soul. Wow. Wow. Do you agree or you just thinking? Real quiet in here. Like I'm revealing something brand new. Yeah. This is soul stuff. Like kindness comes from your soul. Yes. Humor is connected to your soul. Yeah. Passion is produced from your soul. Wow. Wow. That's why football fans are so crazy. Yeah. It's a soul thing. They're crazy. No, no, they're passionate. Because it's connected to your soul is where passion comes from. God is so smart that he connected a soul. He developed a soul. This is why you'll find Christians take a strong stance against abortion because we understand that an infant isn't just a body but a soul. I'm not being political. I'm just articulating what you may not be aware of. That's why the statement, my body, my choice, is ignorant at best. Because your misunderstanding ain't just a body. There's a soul attached to this. There's personality that's forming and developing. You think I'm being political. I ain't. I'm talking biblical, not political. This is Bible stuff. Because so, I have people ask me, why are Christians against abortion? Aren't Christians about choice? We're, we're about life. And, and I can't read the Bible and not see what it spells out and what it articulates. So I'm not trying to run for campaign here. I'm trying, I'm trying to just preach the Word of God and put importance on your soul and every soul that God has a plan and a worth on souls. There's, there's worth to it. I don't know how you can sit here and not clap and say amen to the fact that God's putting value on life, putting value on the soul, even if we don't think the tissue is worth anything. The, the invisible soul is very material when it comes to the purpose of God. Yes. Amen. In fact, did you know a soul can be corrupted? Yes. It's actually what Jesus was illuminating in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. When talking to the disciples, he says, for what is it? A man, what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You can sell your soul. This is how our soul can be corrupted because it holds our deepest desires. David prayed this prayer in Psalm 42. He said, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul longs for you. And just the way that your body can be shaped, your soul can be shaped too. You can work on your soul, soul care. You can work on the health and the physique, the fitness of your soul. Because some people think, you ever, heard, you ever got that, that family member? You're probably going to meet them this Christmas time. If you haven't seen them for a minute, they're probably going to be around your Christmas table, your Christmas tree. The, everyone has this family member that says, they say what they think. You know what I mean? Without a filter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone, everyone knows that family member. Where they just say, I, I am who I am. And everyone's like, please don't be that. But that's their excuse. When they say something offensive or rude or ignorant, they just say, I am who I am. You should respond, well, you don't have to be who you are. Because your personality, left unattended, is an overweight soul. When you actually exercise kindness, you shape your personality. When you hold restraint, you're shaping your personality. The same way when you lift and have resistance, you flex your muscles, your soul is a muscle that you can build through kind words, through empathy. These are the elements of your soul that you get to shape. I got to shape my soul to be like Christ. To be meek. This is good preaching, man. This is great stuff at the end of the year. Should have left this for the beginning of the year. Started strong. Your soul is significant, your soul is in your hands. How you you handle your soul, how you care for your soul, or how you corrupt your soul that's that's up to you. Now, similar to your soul, we've got a hustle, you we have a spirit. Both are eternal elements of who we are. However, the Bible differentiates between the two in Hebrews 4.12, saying for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Oh, check this out. You ready to get some teaching? You thought you were just coming in to sing a Christmas carol. You got some biblical teaching on one of the last Sundays of the year. There's something I need to highlight here. You see, while it says that the word of God is what divides. It ain't just talking about Scripture. It's talking about Jesus as the Word of God. That Jesus divides between soul and spirit. That He is actively dividing between thought and intentions. Matthew 24, He illuminates this. And Jesus encourages His disciples to pray so that they would not be led into temptation because while the Spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. So while our thoughts reside in the realm of our soul, our intentions are led by the Spirit. It's your Spirit in a sense that separates believers from non-believers. You see, when we're born again, the Bible says we're born of the Spirit, John chapter 3. This means our spirit man comes alive in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, you're gonna find this. In Romans 8, there's a powerful passage that instructs us to no longer live according to the flesh, but live according to the Spirit. It's such a good, in fact, I'm going to read it to you. It's so good. I feel like giving you some red hot Bible to come at your life. Romans, just turn the rule. I didn't give this to the team. I apologize about this. I should have had this ahead of time, but 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 you're not responding like you should respond to when I'm talking about Romans chapter eight and how to live by the spirit and not by the flesh. See, there are some distinct parts of you that you need to live by, but at the same time, you need to understand that I don't live by those parts. I don't have to be under those parts. Just because I get mad on the 101 doesn't need, I need to lose my salvation as somebody who cuts me. I'll stop clapping so hard, honey. There, there, there needs to be some, so there needs to be. I lost it this morning, didn't I, babe? I lost it a little bit. But do drive slow. And he was right in front of me. And I'm like, bro, we're going to get to church. <laughs> <laughs> but Romans chapter 8 helps you pick. If you're going to live by one thing, live by the Spirit. Romans chapter, you, are you there already? Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse please God. Verse 9, you, however, here's the good news, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. In, In fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. Verse 10, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of the righteousness. Verse 11, if the Spirit... Of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So good. Rich Word. Powerful stuff that the apostle wants to illuminate to the church that you would understand that there is a significance to your soul. There's a significance to your spirit that even though your soul wants one thing, your spirit is leading you towards Christ. Even though your flesh has desires, you're no longer bound to those desires. Uh, You don't want practical stuff. You want me to go back to just the spiritual stuff we'll talk about. But honestly, you need to know that there is a practical element to this body, soul, spirit thing to uh, to locate your soul means you're not a slave to it. Some people call proclivities addictions. The problem with calling something addiction is now I'm stuck to it, I'm an addict, I don't have a choice. But when you see my soul wants something, but my spirit wants something else, I get to obey that thing, not this thing. I'm just still trying to see who I should preach to today. I'm getting hot in this Christmas sweater. Bad idea. But we, we think we're a slave to my desires. Driven by desire, driven by desire. These, these lusts of the flesh, these desires of the flesh, are overtaking, now, 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 now you have permission for that if you weren't born of the Spirit. But the Bible says you been born of the Spirit. And because you're born of the Spirit, you have the Holy Spirit helping you. You're not like you were before the Spirit was in you, before you knew Christ. You have literally come alive to Christ. You've been born again, born of the Spirit. Now therefore the flesh that had died in sin can stay dead in sin because your new life is found in Christ Jesus. Oh, That's good preaching. Body. Soul, spirit. I know it can be hard to understand. Think of an egg. Yeah, an egg. I know we went from spiritual Romans 8 to an egg. But but the egg has elements. There's an outer shell that represents the body. You've got a yoke at the core that represents your soul and thoughts and emotions and essentially who we are. And you have this membrane around the yoke that represents our spirit supporting our soul and keeping us in God. Now, the question still remains what's your soul worth? What's your soul worth? Well, Romans chapter 5, as we read earlier, is a rich passage of text and reveals something significant around our worth because. Verse six gives a dramatic picture of what we are worth to God. Let me read it once more for you. It says in verse six, for while we were still weak, let me paraphrase it, no value, nothing to add, nothing to offer, nothing to bring to the table, a tiki cup. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly, verse seven, for One will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to even die. But God shows us His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. One of the reasons we often find it difficult to understand our worth is because we're trying to appraise it with comps. We're assessing what we have to offer in comparison to what we would consider valuable. However, God doesn't assess from comps. Romans makes it clear that while we were weak, while we had no value, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Let me put it this way. The tiki cup has little value in its construction. It's a mold. I don't know how many they made. Let's just say they made 500 for the club 33. Let's say they made 33. And each one got one, which the the fewer they are, the the more valuable they are. But it's it's just ceramic. I had to repair it this morning. Some of it broke. Still, if you want to buy it, see me afterwards. So, so, So the makeup of it, when I compare it to other cups, it doesn't seem as... Valuable. I've seen some nice cups. You go to Starbucks, man, they have some tempting cups. It's on the shelf. Pretty cool. Anybody like Starbucks cups? Yeah, they've got some cool things. So when I compare it to other cups, it doesn't really hold the value. That's because we look at value with comps. We're we're trying to get comparables to get our worth. Not just with what we consider valuable, even with others. I'm not as bad as them. Comp. I'm not as good as them. Comp. And we're trying to peg our own value based on the comparison to others. (laughs) This is not made of anything uniquely special. Some material, it's made of ceramic, it, 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 it's painted like, like, like other cups. But you know what makes, it, what makes it valuable to a collector is it bears the mark of the maker. It's got Disney. It's got Disney on it. It's got, it ain't a sticker, you can't rip it off. It's like set in there. It's got Club 33 on here. And because it has Disney on it, can I preach for a second? I really want to preach. Because you are marked by your maker, you have a value that isn't measured on your scale. See, the moment the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, on that oh holy night in a mere manger, our worth went way up. That night marked everything. Christmas season marks everything. It marked the moment our worth went up. Because before then, we were worthless. There was nothing worthy in us that was worth dying for. So, so what Jesus did to come into the world wasn't even measured on us, it was measured on Him. It was measured on Him. It was measured on His goodness, His mercy, His kindness, but He put worth on us. This is what the Christmas carol is suggesting, and a soul felt its worth because the only one who gave it all is the only one who can determine its worth. What's your property worth? Depends what someone's paying for it. What's your soul worth? Depends on what someone paid for it. Are you with me still? Are you still with me? I know the worship team's out, but i still got a minute to go. What? This weird looking cup may be a collectible to some, but its value to me isn't even in who made it. And I don't like Disney that much. It's cost me way too much money over the years. <laughs> to me, it's actually what it's made for. I had this thing sitting on my table for months, wondering what do I do with this thing. So I decided to put something in it. And I used it as a cup. It was a fascinating process to take it from an ornament to a a functional thing. See, see, I don't do collectible. I do functional. (laughs) So does God, by the way. See, God doesn't do collectibles, He does functionals. His worth is of you and what you are worth to Him is based on Him, but because you are worth something, He puts a purpose in your life as well. That He takes a worthless, weak thing and makes it purposeful, which adds value to it. Oh man, I wanna preach this so much. This this is what He does. He, He makes it functional. This is a cup that's designed to do something And while it has some value as an ornament, it has way more value to me as a cup with its its intended function. See, when you're undervalued, you're underemployed. Can I say it again? When you're undervalued, you're underemployed. While you're walking around not knowing your value, you'll never actually know your purpose because while you're undervaluing your worth, you're not searching the purpose that you put here on the earth for. What's my function is not a question. You're still stuck in the worth category. But when you realise that you are worth something to God, when you are worth everything to Him, you then receive that worth and you ask, what do I do? What's my purpose? I can't just sit wondering if I'm worth something. I've Now that I know that I'm worth something, I've got to find out what I'm meant to do. I've got to put purpose to it. Uh, I've got to put purpose to it. So good. The other night we were out with some friends. It was cold. And we had a late dinner. Anybody got those friends that booked dinner at 8 p.m.? Crazy. like eight p.m. I'm like eight p.m. I go to bed at nine. I'm just getting started at eight, and it was cold. And Kira had this, I cute dress, picked out. But I was, I was being a husband. I said, hey honey, look, it's it's cold, it's late. Should be in our pajamas. You don't have to, you don't have to dress up. You can just go to something warm, and she. She looked at me, I love my wife. She looked at me and she said, it might be cold, but I'm worth it. And I, I corrected her grammar and I said, don't you mean it's worth it? And she said, no, I'm, I'm worth it. She said, I'm not dressing up for anyone else. I'm, I'm dressing up for me because it's called self-worth. I thought that's brilliant. That's brilliant. I said, you just helped me preach and you have no idea. Uh, when you got self-worth, It changes everything you do, it changes what you do. It's not just about dressing up because others expect it. I know my worth, so I'm gonna dress up. Even if nobody else does, I know my worth. My worth is worthy of this dress. It might be cold, it might be awkward, but I know my worth. When you know your worth, it changes the way you act. It changes the way you walk, it changes the way you live. Got me thinking about life when it comes to church and the business of life. Well, we're determining is it worth it, but not considering the fact that I'm worth it. <laughs> I was worth Jesus stepping out of heaven and stepping into humanity for. Now, now, you really understand your worth. As I said, when you understand your purpose, you see, I need to make it clear that you weren't worthy to be saved. The Bible made that clear, Romans five, that even while you were a sinner, while you were weak, not while you were worth it, God didn't do comps and go, well, I guess they're worth it. No, Jesus put worth on you by what He did. So now I get to do something worthy of His sacrifice. See, that's how we live. I wasn't worthy but He put worth in me and because He gave me worth, I'd do something worthy of His sacrifice. I wasn't worthy for the sacrifice, but you better believe I'm gonna live worthy of the sacrifice. I'm gonna find my worth and put my worth to work. Put my worth to work. Can I give you one more scripture? I know I gave you a lot, but you can handle it. 1 Corinthians 15.10 says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Not just I am what I am, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Check out Paul. He is so bad, man. He, he literally recognizes I wasn't worthy. God did something in my life. He gave me His grace. But it wasn't me. I worked harder than all of them. What was he saying? He's like, I was worse than all of them. If we were doing comps, I was going to be the last one you would have picked. But it wasn't based on me. It was based on His grace. And because of His grace, He put worth in my life and now look at me go, because of the grace, I'm going to put my grace to work. I'm not just gonna rest in the grace and sit on the grace and take the grace for granted. I'm gonna recognise the grace and see that my soul has worth. My soul has worth. That I, I, I don't have time to be depressed. I don't have time to be anxious because I recognise that God put worth in my life. I was a tiki cup, but then He took this mere ceramic and He put His name on it. He took my value way up. I was worthless, but Christ put His mark on my life. I'm gonna put it to work. Put it to work. What's your soul worth? Ask Jesus. He paid for you. So, Paul says, My life is not my own. I've been bought with a price, I've been purchased. Someone put a price tag on me. Before I was worth nothing, but God gave His life. Now there is a priceless tag on my life. What am I worth? What's my soul worth? Well, if you ask Jesus, it's priceless. It's worth everything that He have. He rent heaven to say, save me. Hey, I hope you were blessed by that message. We release new content every single week here at Vibe Church. And so if you don't want to miss any of it, I would encourage you go ahead and subscribe. Also visit our website, vivechurch.org to stay up to date with everything that's happening in the life of Vive Church. God bless you.